Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. Uh, we're glad you've joined us on this Palm Sunday. We pray that the Word of God would encourage you today and uh, that you would uh, seek the Lord even more diligently than you have in the past. I think these we're living in exciting times. I think that this time of challenge regarding the coronavirus and so forth, uh, from all the things that I'm reading and hearing, a lot of people are praying. And we know the Lord hears prayer. And so we need to continue to pray for healing for those who have this virus and also for protection for those who are treating people under these circumstances today. So one of the things I've been reading about, too, I'll share with you, too. Uh, old saints would use the expression, pleading the blood of Jesus around us and within us as a shield. And I want to encourage you to do that today. Plead the blood of Jesus over your families, over your friends, over your, uh, your homes, over, obviously, your children and grandchildren, and over the community, over this nation, over our government, and over this world. Plead the blood of Jesus because we know the, there's power wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. So welcome. We're glad you're here today. And we pray, again, all the things that God wants to speak to you, that, Lord, you would, you would open your heart and you would receive from the Lord this day. And I just want to do something right to begin with is I want to bless each one of you today. In Jesus' name, I bless you in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day that we're, we're having. This is a wonderful day, Lord. As we celebrate Jesus, as we celebrate that he laid his life down voluntarily. No man took his life from him. He laid it down on his own. He came to earth, dear Lord, to certainly to provide that provision for the forgiveness of sin. He took the sins of the world upon him. My sins, your sins, the world's sins upon him that we may know Him and that we may have eternal life and abundant life and have all that, Lord, You have provided for us through His shed blood. We thank You and praise You today. Lord, we pray today that You would touch those that need healing. Many need healing, Lord, in our nation. And strength and power to the nurses and doctors and, and medical personnel that are treating these that are uh, going through this uh, time of crisis, we pray for them right now and ask that you would heal them. And Father, we ask you today to stop this coronavirus. We pray. We ask you, Father, through all of this, knowing that when things are allowed to happen in our lives and, and certainly throughout the world, we know, Father, it's not to destroy us. It's actually to, to cause us to draw closer to you. And Lord, that's exactly what it's doing. We're drawing closer to you today. And we know, Lord, today we need to obviously... Take off those things that are not like you. And Lord, again, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So we praise you today. We thank you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. Come in every living room, wherever people are watching this uh, stream, streaming today. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak to their hearts, even now, that they would feel the presence of the Lord, that you would surround them, Father, with your power and your encouragement. And you're drawing, because, Lord, you're drawing us, and we give you praise. So, Lord, we welcome you in this place today. And you speak, dear God, and, and say what you desire to say, Father. But we thank you. This is Palm Sunday. We thank you, Lord. You didn't have to come to earth. You didn't pro hadn't provide a way for the remission of our sin. You didn't have to do that. You came because you love us. So may everyone... Lord, listening and beyond, all over this world, dear Lord, feel that love of Jesus Christ. May He be glorified. 
and honor through all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I wanted to thank, I don't know if you heard the video, but thank that uh, the uh, heart of the Lakes Church for providing the video and others who we're trying to get in. We're learning and it's a process, but uh, I like worship music and like the present day worship, love the old hymns and love the present contemporary Christian music. So I pray that that would bless your life and and all. So we're going to talk about today, Jesus is Lord. I remember years ago, my wife and I, we were looking for a church to go to. And we walked into this church. It was in a warehouse. And uh, on the back backdrop across the wall, in big letters, were the words, Jesus is Lord. And it just, I've never forgotten that. It stood out to me. Jesus is Lord, and He's Lord over all. And so today, as we talk about that, what was going on with Jesus there right before He went to Calvary? When He was being arrested by the religious leaders and the governmental authorities at that time, what was actually going on? I want to certainly today, not just suggest to you something, but I want to share with you what I know and you believe with all your heart what's happening. And I pray through this that it would become relevant as far as what you're going through in your life today. I think these are some good words that we can certainly uh, listen to and uh, ponder and then also take them to heart because, because God wants to encourage us this day. Our first scripture is taken from John chapter 18, and we'll read verses 1 through 11. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. And on the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. And so Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. And Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. And this happened so that the words that he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. And then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? May God add blessings to the reading of his word. If you think about this, as you look at Jesus' life, as he's going through this particular time of, of crisis in his life, and that his, the fullness of His majesty was being displayed here. The fullness of His majesty and authority that Jesus, uh, obviously who He was, had and displayed throughout this time, throughout all of His life, He had authority over these things. These people, these men were, who were capturing Him and taking Him away, they thought that they were in control. But I want to tell you today, they were not in control. Jesus was in control. 
And there in John chapter 10, verse 18, let's read it together. Verse 18, let's read it together. No one takes it from me. He's speaking of his life. But I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. No one takes authority to take it from me. He's speaking of this command. I receive. But I lay it down on my own accord. No one takes. I have authority to lay it down. No one takes authority to take it from me. He's speaking of this command. I receive. But Jesus knew the destiny that he had to go to Calvary and die for the sins of the world. There had to be the shedding of his blood. There had to be the perfect sacrifice in Jesus who never sinned. And he walked on this earth, obviously, uh, in his humanity. He was deity. He was God. But he was also man. And he always operated out of his humanity. And so we see this here, knowing that Jesus voluntarily laid down his life. And so you remember John's objection here uh, in writing the Gospel of John when he says in John chapter 20, Jesus did many other miraculous signs and wonders in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you may have life. As I read through the Gospels and going back through the Bible again, And understanding, when you believe in Jesus, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead in your heart, then you shall be saved. Jesus was on this earth to save us from our sins. He took the sins sins of the world upon his shoulders here. And so at this particular time, Christ was not at the victim of of this angry mob we see. They were going crazy over this. They were, they were screaming. I remember reading a commentary on it that Herod, when he had Jesus in front of you, he screamed when Jesus was standing there. And they all shouted. In other words, it was extremely loud and bolsterous and all. They, they mocked him. They mocked him like no one I've ever heard mocked before and all. And yet Jesus stood there knowing that he would take this and he would love mankind in spite of what they did to him. But at this time, the the angry mob again thought that they were in control and they weren't in control at all. Jesus was in control here. Remember what Peter addressed the people there in Acts chapter 2 when he says in verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him. And as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put them to death, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Wicked men. And so Jesus is following, obviously, God's set purpose and foreknowledge of what would take place here. So I want to tell you, I believe, five, certainly, uh, things here, powerful demonstrations of Jesus' lordship. Because in all these things we see, he was smitten, he was bruised uh, for our sins and iniquities and all, and, and yet he took the sins of the world. And I want to tell you today, he was still lord over all. And he's lord over, to, over everything in this world today. And I, I just pray that you would make him lord over your life. Because I know that obviously we can't do it right. We think we can. But Jesus is Lord over all. One day we will face Him. One day, certainly as unbelievers or believers, we will stand before Jesus Christ, the King of kings 
and the Lord of Lords. And these five demonstrations of His Lordship, very powerful. And the first one here is His decision to go to Gethsemane. When you look at verses 1 and 2, He, he went there and he, he knew that Judas was the traitor. And He knew that Judas would know where He was at. And remember there in between, I believe here in this particular uh, uh, chapter, uh, it doesn't talk about when Judas kissed Jesus, so he identified him before the, uh, the mob. Uh, but I believe it happened before, between verses 4 and 10. Jesus, uh, Judas came up, remember, and identified Jesus by kissing him. But the thing is, Jesus led them there because he knew that Judas would bring him there. Look at how he demonstrated his power in this situation. He was not caught off guard. He was not just uh, trying to, to, to get out of this. He was actually doing exactly what his father said. Now in verses 2, Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples here. Judas knew the place, and obviously Ju- Jesus knew that Judas knew Jesus the place often here. Met there with because his disciples when Judas here. was leading Judas the mob knew the to place, and obviously, we know that Ju- obviously he Jesus knew right knew where to Judas take him. knew Jesus the place here. Obviously, uh, in Jesus. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Remember what happened to Jesus as he was praying? He actually prayed, and it was like drops of blood fell to the ground there. He, he was uh, in, in agony, praying and, and beseeching the Lord, obviously, and, and seeking God in his heart of hearts. Again, he was man here. And remember when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane? He uh, asked his disciples, Peter, James, and John, to pray with him. But what did they do? They fell asleep. They fell asleep while Jesus was agonizing in prayer and the emotional strain that was going on. I believe in these men's lives were so tremendous that they went to sleep. They had to sleep to sort of get through the emotional pain that he was going through. Think about it. In our own lives, many of us sometimes use a way of escape by sleeping or, or by somehow uh, getting away from things and doing things like that. When, when God is saying we need to pray. And if these men had prayed during that time, I think they would have been more prepared. But we know that they weren't praying. They were in agony. They were great in sorrow because of what's happening. They didn't understand it fully. But they did not pray. They slept. Jesus, obviously, is is not turning away no matter what here. And when Jesus comes to them the third time, the crowd arrives in the garden. The lights and the lanterns and, you know, the clanging of, of the swords were taking place. We know, obviously, for anybody, it could have been frightening. It could have been real alarming, these people, because uh, as we'll see in just a moment, the mob of people, were it was a large number of people that came. And yet Jesus surrendered His life. And as you see in the Scripture here, we see that Jesus is not caught off guard. He's not surprised by Judas's deceitfulness. He's fully knowledgeable of what is happening and submitting himself to the Father's will. He is in this place where he knows that he, they can find him. They don't have to go searching for him. And when the crowd arrives, he goes out actually to meet them. Think about it. He didn't hide at all. It was a full moon, they believe, at that particular time. And he didn't hide. There were probably places he could have hidden. But he didn't. And he goes out to meet them. And so the second thing, demonstrations of his lordship, is this. His demeanor in the face of this hostile crowd 
is full of majesty. He was not afraid. He was not worried. He is fulfilling His Father's will. He's not nervous or scared in any way. You know, this lynch mob that was taking place. He is still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so the mob expects the usual human reaction to fight or to flight. One or the other. To flee or to fight. They were expecting this here. But it says that, that actually the leaders brought a detachment of soldiers. I believe as I read different uh, the, the Greek in this, they were expert fighters. They were, they were the best of the best. And they believe that actually, again, 600 or many believe between 300 and 600 people, men, soldiers, came to arrest Jesus. Now, I always think, why did they do that? Why so many came to Jesus? Why? It's because I believe they had either seen the miracles that he, he did or else they had heard of the miracles, one or the other. And they believed that this man was powerful. This man, there was something different about this man. And so I believe in this, they came ready. But also on the other side, as I reflected upon this, I realized that if, if all of this is going on, why didn't they repent? Why didn't they turn and, and give their hearts to God Almighty? Why did they continue to fight against this? They didn't understand this. They were frightened because they believed he had come to take their power away. Their power was obviously the one thing that consumed them. And they had to have all these large group of, of people, soldiers coming to take them in. Three to five hundred, six hundred people there to take one man in? Think about it. Jesus could have call, called down a legion of angels and destroyed them all. But he didn't. He willingly submitted himself to man and also to the will of God here. During the Passover feast, there was that full moon. Lots of light during that time. Jesus stood out and He said, Here I am. And, and all He didn't hide. And He came right out in the open there. You know, Satan had entered Judas. Uh, and he, he was, Judas was being led by Satan to do this. And the, the mob is ener, energized by demonic activity. And what a horrible thing to have to face. But Jesus has already won the spiritual battle. How? Through prayer. And I want to tell you today, our spiritual battle is through prayer. So often we try to do it on our own. So often we try to somehow brace up under the tremendous pressure that we're on today. The stress and, and just being worn out. And yet God is saying, get in your prayer closet with me. Pray to me. Seek me while I may be found. Know that He hears us, that He is near us. He's here with you right now. He's with, with me right now. He's right there. Jesus had already won the spiritual battle here. So, I want to ask you the question is, were we prepared for this coronavirus? Were we prepared? It seems to me that this came on uh, all of a sudden. But we, were we prepared here? We need to obviously to build our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you see, that's the only thing will last throughout eternity. We're building a lot of things, homes and jobs and, and all these uh, things that are of the flesh. Certainly, we need these. But our priority is in the wrong place. Our priorities should be in seeking the Lord while He may be found. That To build our relationship with God Almighty. And we need each other. Somehow I see sometimes the churches and, and we have large churches and we have smaller churches and so forth. But we see that people are so independent today. 
And basically people say, I don't need anybody. I'm kind of an island unto myself. And yet we know we need each other. There, God called us, the church, the corporate body, into community. One another. To bear one another's burdens. To pray for one another. To encourage one another. And so I want to encourage you today, certainly, to get in a church. To get in a church when they open back up again. Thank you for listening today. But when that time comes... Get in a church. Take your family to church. Let your children uh, learn about Jesus Christ. So they'll grow up knowing Him at an early age. And, and they'll obviously walk with the Lord all the days of their life. There's no, no better blessing for me to see that happening. My family, and I'm sure in your family today, were we prepared? That's the question we ask today here. So contrary to the crowd's expectations, Jesus walked up to them. With a majestic composure and calm here. And he says, who is it you want? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says that certainly he, he said this. He, he went forward and, and we see the next point here is the demonstration of power. When he said this, I am he. What happened? The detachment there. The soldiers fell to the ground. And when you look at the Greek, the original language in this, is that you see they actually hit the hard the, the ground hard. They didn't just sort of sit down because they were tired. They actually, the power of God was released when Jesus said, I am He. Remember, God identified Himself as I am. Moses said, who do I tell the people? Who do I tell them you are? And remember, God just said, tell them I am. And when He said that, power was released. To knock these soldiers, these big strong soldiers down. And so it was the power of the Spirit. And we know, obviously, we have encounters with the Lord. We're, we're touched in, in, in different ways. And we realize today how powerful our God is and how awesome He is today. And so, if Jesus had that kind of authority and power, the ability to speak the Word and knock them down to the ground, He clearly did, obviously, did not have to surrender to them. And still, they saw this power. They saw what this man did. And yet they were so hardened in their hearts that they said, we're going to take him to Calvary. We'll take him to Calvary. The fourth thing here is his desire accomplished for the disciples released. See what he says in verse 7 and 8 here. Jesus doesn't defend himself, but actually defends his disciples that are with him. Actually, to fulfill Scripture as spoken of, in John chapter 17, he said, I've not lost any of them that you have given to me, it says in John 17. And remember, Jesus was not going to give up there until he obviously had their word, so to speak, in that way, that they were not going to arrest his disciples here. Verse 8, if you're looking for me, see what he says, then let these men go, let them go. And so, obviously, I see this today as Jesus is always looking out for you and me. Isn't that good news? Jesus is always looking out for you and me. Jesus always has our best interest for you and for me. And no matter whether or not it's in hard times or whether or not it's in the good times, no matter what, when God is with us, He doesn't go and come. The Bible says in Hebrews thirteen five that Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is with us always. We can talk to Him. We can have a relationship with Him. In fact, our prayer, when we pray like we do, then it continues to remind us of God's nearness, of God being with us. 
And so Jesus obviously laid his life down for us. And he didn't want anything to happen. He is on our side. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, If God is for us, who can be against us? He's saying, since God is for us, then it doesn't make any difference if the whole world is against us. He, God is for us. And actually that word if, should, you can also say since he is. It's a definite that he is with us here. And so we see here as, as Jesus is saying, he is saying, I've, I've not lost none of these you gave me. John chapter 17, he's talking here. No one has been lost except for the one doomed to destruction, Judas here. So there he is with the enemy. Obviously, not long ago, thinking about it, Judas. He was in the garden praying with Jesus. Remember, Judas was one of the disciples. And Judas had been given authority and power over demons to lay hands on the sick. Judas had seen the power of God Almighty displayed. Judas had participated with him. And you think about this, is that he had walked along with him all that time and all. And, and so why, what happened to Judas that obviously made him into a traitor? And let me just tell you this, that I believe, is Judas never surrendered his heart to Jesus. Judas had never surrendered his heart to Jesus. He was familiar with him. He had walked with him and actually saw his power displayed again. But he had never surrendered his heart to Jesus. And you know, you may be in that situation today. Maybe you've sort of dabbled in the, quote, religious things. Maybe you came to church as a young person and all. You heard the word of truth. And maybe now some things are coming back to you that you remember spoken to you in Sunday school or wherever the teaching was. And maybe you're beginning to ponder and saying, if I surrendered my life to Jesus. You see, you, when Jesus is Lord, He's Lord. He's Lord. And so I want to encourage you today, if that has happened, and you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you, that you would surrender your heart to Jesus. Don't just be familiar with that. You can read the Bible. You can do a lot of things. You can help the poor. You can feed the hungry. You can do all these things and still not be saved and born again because you have never obviously received the Lord Jesus Christ and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Today may be the day that you do that, to give your heart to Jesus. It may be that some way that you have not really fully walked with Him. Maybe there's sin in your life and you think, if I go to God with this, He's going to condemn you. You see, just the opposite is true. God is saying, if you run to me, he said, I'll forgive you and, and confess your sin to him. He wants fellowship. He wants a relationship with you. Jesus came for that particular matter here, certainly. You know, the power of God, it's, uh, it's displayed also. Remember what happened when uh, Peter swung his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus? Remember what happened there? And, and uh, you know, it, we think about it. They saw that. These people were seeing this. And Jesus took him in the book of Luke. It said Jesus put his ear right back on and healed him instantly. These people were seeing this today. And so certainly, if God, you would say, would just show me uh, your power here, then I'll repent and turn to you. And you know, some people will respond in that way because I believe in signs and wonders. I believe in miracles. And certainly some people will respond that way. But some people today will not at all respond to that at all. Because you see, when people come and repent, it is a choice. In fact, I've been praying, Lord, that you would blanket this world with the gift of repentance. 
that gift that powerfully turns our hearts. And we recognize the holiness of God. We recognize that we've fallen short of the glory of God. A new revelation of understanding the depths of the love for us and what Jesus went through when He went to Calvary. A lot of people would see the miracles and still not turn to the Lord. But you see, today, God shows us miracles every day. We're living and breathing today because of the miraculous hand of God Almighty. We're seeing the hand of God move in a powerful way. Some, again, would say, well, just show me. Just show me. I need to see this and that. And maybe God will. Maybe God will show you. But I just pray that God would open the eyes of your hearts that you may be able to see. That God would come and kind of just come and break those hard hearts today and give you a heart to receive the Word of God. I've pondered a scripture in Revelation chapter 16 a long time about this because there are many people who will hear the gospel, who will hear it many times. There may be people sitting in churches. They were raised in the church and they've never given their heart to Jesus here. And in Revelation 16, uh, verses 8 through 11, I'll read it to you. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. And the sun was given power, listen to this, to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat and they cursed the name of God, who had control all of, over all these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify God. And verse 10 says, The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. And listen, men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done here. Their response to the judgments of God was to gnaw their tongues in agony and to curse God. One day this will happen And it may be happening today in one way or another when people continue to to sense God knocking on their heart's door and they refuse to repent. They say, the pleasures in sin I want to continue in instead of allowing the grace of God to enter their hearts and to come and change their hearts. They'd rather live in that darkness instead of walking in the light. I encourage you today to turn to the Lord here. Obviously, In our text, this headstrong crowd refuses to repent. These people that are arresting Jesus are going to kill an innocent man by crucifixion, which I believe probably is the worst type of of torturous death when people are put put to death uh, that there ever could be. Knowing they were going to do this. Knowing down deep he had not done anything wrong. And yet they continue to not repent. Continue to go on their way. But in spite of all this, what does Jesus do? He submits himself to their arrest only after he he gains the freedom of his disciples. (laughs) He lays his life down for his friends, John chapter 15 says. And so we see how powerful that is. The fifth thing here is his dramatic of healing of Malchus's ear is the final proof of his lordship in this situation here. He healed. And Malchus was the servant of the high priest here. Peter, he wasn't a swordsman. He's just, he acts uh, impulsively. We know Peter. He took his sword up and he slung his sword. And actually his intention was to cut off Malchus's head. But he missed and cut off his ear. Something we can learn from this because obviously he did it the wrong way. Why? 
It's because Peter acted out of the flesh. He acted out of the flesh. He felt that he was helping Jesus out. And so often we feel like that we're helping Jesus out. We feel like if I, I'll do this and so forth, this will really help him out. And yet sometimes we may be acting uh, out of the flesh instead of the spirit. We always, we do that. We just go headlong into things. And God hasn't called us to do certain things. They're all good things. But we're acting out of the flesh and not being led by the Spirit of God. That's what happened to Peter. He was not uh, acting out of the Spirit. He was acting out of the flesh. So why did Peter do this? I want to share with you a couple things. First of all, because of lack of spiritual preparation. Remember? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was not praying. He was sleeping. And are we prepared? Are we being prepared? I think we're being prepared for something so big in the midst of this. I believe. I don't know how this thing will turn around. I certainly don't. I know that God will have His way. But are we allowing God to have His way in our lives? He'll turn it around. Peter wasn't, wasn't uh, prepared at all. And then Peter acted out of the flesh. And we know in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in the pulling down of strongholds and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And so, this scripture tells us, as the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, is telling us the weapons we have are not the physical guns and knives and swords and all these things. The weapons of our warfare are prayer. There's spiritual warfare that's taking place. And you and I have power under the guidance and authority that Jesus gives us to defeat the enemy if we'll pray. If we'll get down on our knees and seek Him and pray. And certainly cry out to God. Cry out to Him. Whatever you're going through, cry out to our God. And Jesus is saying so much here about Peter. And He says also the second thing is that He did He relied on his carnal weapons and not the prayer. The healing of Malchus's ears actually reported in Luke 22, and you can read it, where we're told that Jesus touched his ear and he healed him. Even Jesus, these people were persecuting him. These people would lead him to Calvary. These were high authorities, and they thought they knew it all. They thought that they were obviously in control here. And Jesus showed them very clearly in His compassion, even for Malchus, in healing his, his ear and telling Peter, no, we're not doing it that way. I'm going and I've submitted to the will of the Father. It's another demonstration of Jesus' power and authority at the time of His arrest. He was totally in control of the whole situation here. He's control of whatever may be happening to you and your life today. Jesus is in control. Never forget that. The devil will whisper to you and tell you because you feel like, you feel, again I say feel, like things are spinning out of control. And yet our Lord, Jesus is Lord. He is in total control over our lives. So what do you do about that? How do we respond in the midst of this crisis that's global? in the midst of the crisis that you may be going through because you may have lost your job and finances may have completely vanished. Whatever it may be, it seems to be there's just devastation on every front. And so what do you do? And I wanted to say this today. Uh, could it be in this whole situation 
is working out His sovereign will with this coronavirus. He's either God over all, He's God over none. But He's God over all. Believe it. Everything in, in Scripture is based upon faith because obviously it's impossible to please God, the Bible says in Hebrews, for those that don't, without faith and believing that God, it is God over all in this situation. Jesus came to earth that we could know Him. See, we're living in exciting times and although it's hard times and it's challenging times, I want to tell you, I read an article here recently that says that 21% more of people who don't proclaim to be Christians were reading their Bible. How they got the statistics, I don't know. But it appears to me from what I'm seeing that a large number of people who don't believe in God are beginning to seek the Lord. And we, we want to welcome them. We want to pray for them. We want to help them if we possibly can in any way. Those who don't have that belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This time is time to... To, uh, to seek the Lord here. So the question is also, how's your prayer life? Has it increased since this virus has taken place? Has it uh, obviously moved you to a deeper level of intimacy with our Heavenly Father as a result of this? Does all of this make you think of how fragile life is? How quickly you can have things? How quickly you can have a job and you thought you were secure because the boss liked you? And everything there, and you knew possibly he probably would never ever release you. And yet in this, he had to release you because of the economic circumstances. And it came on so quickly. Is this you today? Then turn to the Lord and ask him and seek him. He'll never turn away from you. He'll never deny you. He will obviously uh, respond to the cry of your heart. Obviously, has this made you? See how quick you can lose everything. You can lose everything. I look at the reports of the deaths and the number per day throughout the world that are taking place. How quickly. These people, maybe in a week's time or less, they were walking through life. They were doing all these things and all of a sudden they're hit with this virus and they've gone out into eternity. I want to ask you today, are you prepared to go out into eternity? I'll ask you this. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you and be your Lord and Savior? Have you ever, ever responded in that? Maybe along the way you've felt the nudgings of His Spirit. Maybe you question, what does this all mean? And, and, all, and, and you think, well, you've got to have sort of like a, just a full knowledge of all this before you step out in faith. But you see, faith is actually stepping out and believing God and believing His Word because you know something's happening on the inside of your heart. These things God is doing throughout the world today, don't turn away. The only thing that lasts in this whole scenario in our life and throughout eternity is your relationship with Jesus Christ. My proposal to you today, an invitation, is to accept Him today. Accept Him. Jesus was in full control. He was not worried. He didn't worry about a thing, you see. When you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes within you, to live within you, to be your comforter, to be your guide. He comes in to help you with life and, and that you can have a friend there 
and talk to, pray, ask him for your for his help because he wants to help. His desire is that you know him a lot more than our desire to know him. A lot more, obviously, beyond what we could ever imagine. Today is the day of salvation. Give your heart to Jesus. And so in closing, I just want to encourage you these things. Jesus was in full control. He laid his life down voluntarily. He gave his life for you and for me. The greatest gift that the world has ever obviously known is when Jesus Christ came and died for the sins of the world. There's no other better gift. He will help you if you're, obviously you're going through tough times, financial, or maybe there's a crisis in your family. Maybe there's a disruption like you never thought would happen in your life. Turn to Jesus. Let me pray for you today as we close. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're in control. We thank you, Lord, that you are right here with us. You're right there with these who are watching this streaming session. And you're willing, Lord, just right now, as your arms are open wide, to receive all who will call upon the name of the Lord. And Lord, help them to understand. They don't have to understand it. All they have to do is believe. All they do is believe that you are the Messiah. That you were sent to earth to walk on this earth in your humanity and deity, but walking in your humanity and your destiny was to die on the cross and rise from the grave to defeat death. There's no more sting in death. To rise from the grave that all who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Real simple. I pray this message would penetrate the hearts of every person listening today. And Lord, it would go out through the airways across this country. And dear God, people would be convicted and they would come to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that today. And I ask you, Father, today that you would uh, just hold people close. Many are afraid. Many are disappointed. Many are frustrated. Many don't know what to say or to do. They live in bewilderment. Oh God, I pray you would enter into their situations and, and touch them and give them hope. Again, we pray against this virus and we pray for healing for those that are sick and protection for all of us, those medically and then all around this world. Protect us, dear God. Bring us through this. May we come out on the other side stronger, seeking you even more diligently than we have before, O oh God. Studying your word, praying on our knees, dear Lord, until, Lord, all of this self that has gotten in the way of us really knowing you would be pushed aside, Lord, crucified. And dear Lord, we would know you in the intimacy that you long desire. Father, bless them. Bless every person here. I bless you, each one listening, in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in His precious name we pray. Amen. Okay. Okay. Am I on now? Okay. Uh, the question is, is when we say, when we plead the blood of Jesus, what does that mean? 
If you remember when uh, in, in Exodus, when uh, God was pouring out the plagues upon the Egyptians, that God told uh, the Israelites to put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost and on the lentils of the doors. And when the death angel passed over, it would actually pass by that particular house. If they didn't do that, then the death angel came in and they were, they were killed. They, they died. And so the Israelites there, the Hebrew children, they put the blood on the doorpost and on the lentils there, and the death angel passed over. And in this way, when we say, plead the blood of Jesus over us, we know that we are covered in the blood. But sometimes the reinforcement of that, and certainly that uh, desire to, for that to happen fully to where it's manifested in my, in my heart and mind, in understanding, is to, to plead and pray that the blood of Jesus would cover us. That keeps us from these things. And certainly it's no magical thing. And it's not like a, a genie in the bottle. Certainly there. But there's so much power in the blood of Jesus. And, and a lot of churches don't talk about the blood of Jesus today. A lot of churches will uh, ignore that because they go, well, that was just a horrible thing. He shed his blood for us. And many churches have, have wandered away from the truth. And yet we still preach and teach and sing about the blood of Jesus. It's not, obviously, uh, morbid or anything like that in, in, in teaching that. It's truth because the Bible says in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there cannot be any remission of sin. And we go back into even, a, uh, certainly not all the teaching there, but the sacrificial animals that were there and all that Jesus, that God uh, had. And they, they did that. that. That the sacrifice did not save them. It was faith that saved them. But God commanded, and that was symbolic of what Jesus would do when he went to Calvary, the shedding of the blood of Jesus. And so I plead the blood, Lord, pray the blood of Jesus around your family to protect them. It's a way of saying, Lord, protect them, reminding you of the power that's in the blood of Jesus when we do that. And so it's not a magic thing, it's not something that, but it's our prayer from our hearts because we need to be reminded again of the power that's in the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your question. Okay? Yes, indeed. My friends in Ecuador, Fabian and Andrea and family, God bless, I bless you guys, all of you guys in Ecuador and Quito and beyond. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. I want to see you soon. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Glad to see you. All right. God bless. Thank you. See you next week. Okay? Bye.